0: I don't know about you, but I often fancy
1: a midweek beer, or five, only without having to deal with the anxiety the next morning. That's why Rule the Roost have partnered with Infinite Session for Sober October. I started exploring alcohol-free beers during lockdown, and this is when I first discovered Infinite Session, became a big fan of their IPA. So imagine my delight when I found out that the owners Tom and Chris are also Spurs fans, and, importantly for my ego, listeners of Rule the Roost. Small world. I've come to realise that it's often the taste of beer and the ritual of cracking open a tin to enjoy with the football that I'm craving, rather than the alcohol itself. So whether you're on a health kick or want to be guilt-free and clear-headed for tomorrow's big meeting, with Infinite Session, you can still enjoy the same refreshing feeling of indulging in a craft beer, but with zero alcohol and no compromise on taste or quality. They're gluten-free, low sugar, low calorie And for Sober October, you can save 20% off any purchases at infinitesession.com with the code RTR20. You can also find them in the alcohol-free aisle in your nearest big Sainsbury's, but if you do want to take advantage of the offer, visit infinitesession.com and use the code RTR20. Up the spurs! welcome back to Roll the roost podcast very happy today to be joined by well back back again i should say not for the first time by popular demand by popular demand <laughs> sky sports is mr jamie weir how are you doing mate
2: i'm very well thanks for having me back yeah i mean everything's rosy at the moment isn't it it's just a great time
1: to be a spurs fan i know it wasn't like that last time we spoke no <laughs> i don't think so it's kind of a mirror image podcast this one isn't it um but we're talking about, you know, Spurs, the big turnaround, mate. It, it, it was a bit weird, wasn't it, going and watching a game on a Friday night. The, the idea of Friday night fixtures is an interesting one. But in a way, I was a bit grumpy about it in the lead up to it. But then afterwards, knowing that Spurs were going into a weekend, nobody can overtake us. We'd won. We'd done our job. It was lovely.
2: It was lovely, yeah. I mean, Monday nights are a weird one because you know that everyone gets there game played before you right so there's a bit of pressure on a monday night game whereas friday night like if you lose on a friday night it's it's shit isn't it because then you just have to watch everybody win their games on the saturday but winning on a friday night and just being able to put your feet up over the weekend wake up on a saturday morning with a smile on your face knowing you're five points clear and nobody can catch you i mean it's it's uncharted territory for us isn't it but it's just it's it's great i mean do we allow ourselves to
1: dream i don't know well, this is interesting, is it? Because now I'm seeing we've obviously had the big can we will we could we yeah, yeah, meme right. in Tottenham's fan base now, and since that's kind of rattled a lot of other fan bases, you've now got this wave of Spurs fans being like, of course, no Spurs fan really thinks we can do yeah. it. Yeah, I bloody do. I think we, you know, yeah. it will take something. It will take something special, but I think we. Yeah, well, quite possible.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, look, before the start of the season, there is not one single Spurs fan who thought we would be in a title race, title contenders, call wherever you want. I thought it would be and, the other end of the table, if anything. Honestly. Right, exactly. And a lot of people said that, didn't they? And, you know, five games in, you know, when people were sort of, you know, those tweets were going out on yeah, on Twitter, like, oh, you know, are Spurs in a title race? I was like, no, of course we're not in a bloody title race. But I tell you, what, it doesn't matter that we're in a title race. We're just enjoying it. It's just nice to be excited about watching your side play football again. The last time we had that was like five years ago, um, and now with every test we pass, I'm thinking, do you know what? Like, we increasingly we are in a title race. And look, and then that, uh, there's a horrible flip side of that is, if. And we probably will, because I still think eighty percent of Spurs fans think, you know, okay, we may be in a title race, but we're probably not going to win the title. If we do, then come up short in May, you know that then everyone else is sort of ah fucking classic Spurs bottle jobs. It's like, well we were never in a title race in the first place. Yeah. So you know, it's it's that horrible sort of flip side of I think Ange said it himself in a presser ages ago, where you know, as a football fan, most of it's torture being a football. Fan. You're enduring it rather than enjoying it because you're just you know you it's 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 stressful and I'm not at the point where it's stressful again being a Spurs fan where I went from like I'm just excited I'm just enjoying it I can't wait for the next game to fuck if we drop points in our next game then you know we're letting the others catch up so it's it's kind of done a full 180.
1: It has it has you've used a, a very interesting word there mate in test Right, you know, we there was a lot of talk about Crystal Palace being a test going yeah. into that game. There's been a lot of talk about Arsenal, the way at the Emirates being a test, Liverpool being a test. Yeah, and it seems to be every time Tottenham pass these so-called tests, they either then become an easy game that we should have yeah, won, yeah, yeah, or yeah, or exactly. we've somehow managed to just miraculously, you know, the, the stuff doing the rounds at the moment. I don't know if you if you saw that. Liverpool fan that uh, he's quite a big Twitter account. I can't remember exactly what Yeah, I know the one you're talking about. He said something yesterday like, you know, Spurs literally are a useless team that just rely on Madison. They're just, they just hoping hoping that Son and Madison yeah. can do something a, a and a hope that the opposition team, don't
0: yeah. score. A football team <laughs>
1: hoping that their best players might play well. I mean, I'm wow. hoping
2: that the opposition don't score. Yeah, yeah. That, well, well done, you've, you've sauced football. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, look, it's funny how narratives can change amongst other fan bases. And, you know, like I said, Spurs fans, 80% of Spurs fans don't think we're going to do it. But then all of a sudden you get, what is really amusing me is they might have pissed that were boiling along the way. And all the other fan bases immediately afterwards say, like, what was it after the um, after the Monday night game? Who did we play? My memory. What is it? Uh, Fulham. Yeah no, after we beat Fulham right, yeah after we yeah after Monday we beat night, Fulham yeah. a week ago yeah um some gooner had like gone to the effort of looking up our, ty- our uh, the run in at the end of the season screenshotting it tweeting it and saying look we shouldn't be worried because this is their run in yeah that sounds like someone that's not worried mate someone yeah. who's gone to the effort of you know I couldn't even tell you who were playing in a month's time and you've looked up who Spurs are playing the last four games of the season so yeah it's just um it's funny how little old spurs seem to be
1: rattling a lot of cages at the moment it's funny though, isn't it? It's funny how it changes because at the start of the year, so we picked up a couple of good results and it was all, oh, you know what? I quite like Spurs. I don't mind them doing well. Yeah, you know, yeah. I like Ange. I like Spurs. And now we're suddenly not that kind of plucky team they can yeah. pat on the head and just hold at a safe arm's distance. Now we actually look like we might be doing something. It's suddenly all, oh, actually, no, they're useless. They're cheats. They're getting lucky. They're And it's, yeah. it just shows you it's not just us thinking that we're good. That All this noise, to me, yeah. says people know that Spurs are a good side now. They know it. They feel it. Yeah,
2: exactly. I, but then, and then, as I said, the other thing is then, if invariably we do come up a bit short at the end of the season, then it'll immediately be the classic Spurs, bottle jobs. It's like, well, we were never supposed to be in a title race to begin with. So, do you know what? We're just enjoying it. And, I, like, we are a bloody good side. And, as I said, I now go into every game thinking, well, why can't we win this game? And that's the thing. Like, rather than think of it as a sort of thirty-eight game, it's the oldest fucking cliche in the book. I sound like a manager now, but if you just take each game as it comes, well, look, Chelsea next week. Can we beat them? Of course we can. Wolves after that. Look, it's a tough game. Wolves are a side who have done very well against some of the big clubs. Can we win there? Of course we can. You know, and if you just keep approaching it game by game, you know, again, it sounds like a cliche, but twenty-eight cup finals. If you go into it with the right
1: attitude, and Ange has them prepared for every game. Why the bloody hell not? Yeah. I think Romero oh, no. said exactly that himself, didn't he? He said that the whole team is looking at every single game now as a cup final. That they they're, they're desperate to not just be another Spurs team that has some great players but doesn't win anything. You know?
2: Yeah, exactly, man. It's just it. I, I'm just the vibes are immaculate with the whole team. Yeah. They just like everyone is just enjoying each other's company. Then they all go out for like a team dinner on Saturday night or something. And did they? Um, like, it's just, it's just such a positive vibe about the place. And it's, I mean, this is the thing. Like, last time you had me on, I don't know, was, was it six months ago? Maybe not even. And it was all, like, bloody doom and gloom. And the, the the speed at which everything has turned around is just amazing.
1: A big part of it, you feel, is, I don't know if you saw his, his comments last, I dare say he did, when uh, Andrew saying that he likes to personally interview every single new signer, yeah. somebody that's coming for the first team. That, it's just so key to this, right? So like, like we're talking about these vibes being immaculate. The fact that we have so many of these players, I, I look at players like Vicario, Van de Ven. I mean, Romero, okay, was signed before um, Postacoglu's yeah. time. But we're even seeing with like young player like Udogi, who is, I guess, again, signed sort of before his time, but at least has been implemented under yes. Postacoglu. They all seem to have this direct focus on success And also this realisation that, yeah, Tottenham have been this kind of like wooden spoon team for a long time and they're all very keen to dispel that narrative to be to, you know, keen to, to to press that they are the, you know, they're founding their own path. They are creating their own future. Of the club It doesn't matter what Tottenham have been before. Right, exactly. These lads are here and, now, you know.
2: And these guys don't have the scars of, you know, Spurs teams go by. And, you know, I remember somebody, a really good pal of mine who's a Spurs fan said to me, oh no, Harry Kane leaving might be the best thing that happens to so Tottenham. I was like, well, don't be fucking ridiculous. Like, yeah. let, letting go of your best player is never the best thing that happens to any club. But what it has done is that it's kind of put an end to that era of underperformance and uh, that era where we had such a good squad but we just couldn't get a trophy and it's kind of just drawn a line in the sand and I said right this is a new Tottenham now this is a new era this is a club that's going in a new direction under a new manager with yeah you know you like you said the likes of vicario and van de ven madison are all new signings but udogi and Saar and even eve basuma kind of feel like new signings because they just weren't used under the last manager so it just feels like a completely new side new captain who i know we're going to come on to in a bit and it's just like you said yeah it, it feels like everybody said right this is now forget everything that's gone before we're plowing our own path now and this is exciting
1: times for tottenham do you feel with your with your spurs fan hat on just allowing yourself to not even it doesn't we don't need to worry about dreaming about anything big but do you just feel that there is something different about this spurs team that there is there is something quite sort of special about it already very quickly i think there's just a special bond between them uh, and
2: that's what like I said, about the, the vibes being immaculate, like just everyone seems to be enjoying each other's company. And yeah, look, obviously you're going to be enjoying each other's company when you're unbeaten after 10 games and top of the table, but it just feels like, and you, you know, you said about how Angie interviews every player. I don't think it's just about them having that winning mentality, but I think it's that kind of the, you know, the all blacks vibe of mm. the no dickheads policy. There's no dickheads <laughs> in the squad night. And not that there ever really were before, but you know, it just feels like, there, there's a. I, I think they've formed a new, a really special bond between the team so, so quickly, and I think every little thing Anne just got right. The appointment of Sonny as captain, which seems to have brought out the best in him, but then even appointing James Madison and Christian Romero as the two vice captains. Like that's a bit of a sort of foreign, you know, a bit of a strange thing for some people. They've never really sort of understand the concept of vice captains, but it's clearly brought out the best in Christian Romero as well. And James Madison, who's obviously new to the club, but an ebullient character who will enjoy that responsibility that comes with that as well. It just every single thing he has done so far has been the right step. And it just feels like there is a real special connection between him and the players, obviously with the fans now as well, buying into it as well
1: yeah I mean what can you say, man? It's exciting. How did you feel about the the palace game if we talk about the palace game itself? Yeah. Do you think Spurs made hard work of it, or do you think it's just the reality of the Premier League? There's no easy games. I mean Palace don't owe us three points, do they you know they no, don't exactly. make it easy for us No, they did exactly what
2: Fulham had done on the Monday night really. they just you know they went there to just sit with a low block, not really try to press at all um just try to make life difficult to spurs suck the life of it. spurs this spurs side enjoy it when it's chaos they enjoy it when it's a quick mad game and they're they can cut through sides but if you just sit back I, this is this is nothing new this was the same with tottenham for years gone by the hardest thing we find to find to play against is a low block and it just that first half in particular was a pretty tough watch the first goal a little bit fortuitous with the way that it comes but it comes from madison pressing sam johnston and then he makes a mistake and then that leads to gay having to just boot it out of play and lo and behold five seconds later you know joel ward stuck the ball in the back of his own net and from the moment that we went one nil up it's obviously then going to become a different game and there was that period when vicario and romero were just like passing it back and yeah. forth and back and forth for what seemed like about four minutes and the crowd started booing and i saw a few spurs funds on twitter saying what are they fucking booing us for for doing that I was like, I actually think they're booing their own players because their own players were just letting Romero and Vicario do that. They weren't even pressing at that stage when they're 1-0 down and time is running out. So... And then, obviously, at the second that they did press, we just cut through them with, I think, what's been the most Ange ball goal that we've scored so far. unbelievable. Just a really lovely, like, every single player played his part. Like, Porro did so well to suck in two players, laid off to Saar. The crossfield ball from Saar. Like, even the header from Brennan Johnson is just perfect for Madison. Madison, again, just, like, the quick feet and the, the weight of the pass for Johnson, the pullback. Sonny there, I mean, it was just beautiful beautiful goal from start to finish and look the first half was pretty was a pretty tough watch we made hard work of it you could say but again Friday night Selhurst Park against a, a side that are pretty solid and under Roy Hodgson have a real sort of shape and structure about them it's always going to be a difficult game and we came through it and look the last few minutes were a little bit Harry obviously
1: but you know that's that's Tottenham isn't it that 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 will never lose more dna i think the thing that was heartening about it like you touched on there is that soon just a second palace opened up just a little bit we were there yeah. to capitalize on that and that's just i think that's just how scarily good this Tottenham team are that we we're, we're doing what i've seen liverpool do the past few years what we've seen I hate to say arsenal doing for the past couple of years when we right. can just capitalize on the weakness of a team. As soon as another team, an opposition team, shows their face, we can pounce on it. And, and that's what also excites me in a sense that I think
2: against sides, ironically against the bigger, better sides, I think we're going to be even more dangerous. So against a Liverpool or a Manchester City who do leave a bit of space and let you play some football, I think we're going to be even sharper. It's against the sides where they stick 10 men behind the ball and make life difficult for you where we struggle to break them down but once you've got a little bit of space to play in suddenly this side can absolutely tear you to pieces and like even if you look at when we played liverpool as an example when it was 11 against 11 we were having You know, creating plenty of chances as soon as they went down to 10 and they had to play like Sheffield United then that's when life became difficult for us we were ironically we were better against 11 players than we were against 10 so I just think the better sides that we play against we're going to create even more chances and that's as you said that's how good this side are that it just feels like every single player knows his role and just yeah it's just so fun to
1: watch I mean, how, how many times have we seen Spurs lose that game 1 0? Not to Palace right. in particular, because I know Palace have got a wretched, but that again. kind of game. Yeah. yeah. You know, we've seen know, that exactly. all, all throughout our time in the Premier League. When and we look, and, and
2: look, and let's be real, there will be at some stage of the season that we do lose one of those games 1 yeah. 0. And, you know, that's just the nature of football. There maybe, there be, maybe, the yeah, win, maybe there yeah. won't be,
1: Jamie. Maybe there won't be. Yeah, maybe there won't
2: be because Sheffield United at home felt like it was going to be that game yeah. for, until until the 96th minute and then lo and behold we all know what it's, happened there and it we just said feels like Leicester
1: remember the Leicester year every single game it was like no this game they're not going to do it they're going to fall off and it does later. feel
2: scarily like that i mean it really does feel eerily similar to Leicester's year where just every just all little breaks seem to be going our way at the moment we seem to be getting little bits of luck and you know even little things like <laughs> i'm not i'm not harking back to it 30 days later like <laughs> liverpool fans are but even things like the Diaz goal that should have been a goal or the Diaz sure. offside the Salah's goal, whatever. Um, you know, those little bit of luck, those little bits of luck that we as Spurs fans feel like we've never gotten in our entire lifetimes.
1: We're just getting a little bit of bits of luck now. Oh, it's nice, isn't it? It's nice. It it's is. nice for us just not to be lamenting one of these fixtures, or, isn't it? You know, it's uh, it's lovely. I mean It's not a a negative. It's just maybe a a concern. Because I feel that in that game, we saw the stark drop-off between Doggy and Ben Davis, right? And I think lots of people were quick to be like, Davis is useless, he's right. I think that was pretty harsh. I don't think Davis was aberratively terrible or anything. I just think it showed that Ben Davis is... Not well, is what we all knew. We knew he's not suited to this system. He's been a great. He's concept. not destiny doggy as well. I mean, destiny doggy has been one of
2: one of the standout players in the Premier League this season. He's not, not in just Europe, Tottenham. right? Like, yeah, he's, exactly. He's, he's an exceptional, but, exceptional player. You know my thoughts on Ben Davis. You know that I'm, you know, self-appointed lifetime president, president of the <laughs> Ben Davis fan club. I love the guy. I mean, I just think that there, every manager wants players who have the character of ben davis in their squad you know who are just ultimate professionals will come in every day put a shift in don't mind sitting on the bench but when called upon they're ready to do their role and over his time at spurs ben davis has been a left back he's been a left-sided center back there was a period last season where he had to play left wing back and he did a really good job of doing that as well on friday night he's asked to play as an inverted fullback which is not a role that he's comfortable with at all and he wasn't terrible you know, he but he but as you said, he just wasn't destiny Udogi, and um, he was hooked at halftime. I don't think that was like a reflection on the fact that he'd been holding the side back in the first half or anything, but yeah, there is a drop off clearly in some areas from our starters to who's filling their shoes. I don't think that Udo, that Ben Davis is a particular issue, but there are some areas where, where it's obviously noticeably more stark, and like that, people have, that has led to people saying you know if this side has, has a couple of injuries are we in big trouble I think if you have a load of injuries all at once then yes mm. but I think if there's one player missing and one has to come in I'm not too concerned and Monday night against Fulham was the prime example oh my god oh no we, Eve Bissoum is unavailable oh fucking we've got Hoybier coming in Hoybier was excellent against Fulham he, was, he came I mean. in and he did a really really good job and if you got one player coming in I don't think there's that big a concern on my part. It's all of a sudden if you got three or four injuries all at once, which you'd have to be very unlucky to have, then obviously then there's a bigger question mark. And in some areas there's an issue as well. Like if, if something was to happen to Madison, we don't have an obvious replacement for him. And God forbid if something was to happen to either Mickey van de Ven or Romero, <laughs> then <laughs> the drop off at centre back is is yeah, obviously I mean, pretty and that has to that has to be priority number one in January. Yeah.
1: It'd be interesting to see if it would be Eric Dyer that would drop in now, or if it would be Ashley Phillips, because it feels like there's a lot of chance that Ashley Phillips might be the guy.
2: All the noises coming out from Spurs and from Ange himself have been, that he's been really impressed with Ashley Phillips and he's way ahead of schedule. But I still think, you know, you see Dyer being named in the bench every Mm -hmm. week. And I still think Dyer would probably come in if needs be. And, Look, I think Eric Dyer's has copped a lot of shit from Spurs fans, a lot of it unwarranted, over the last year or so. Um, and I've got no doubt that if he came into a functioning side and was playing alongside either Mickey van de Ven or Christian Romero, I'm sure he could do a decent job for a couple of games.
1: Did you see that the? I think it was pretty misguided of Spurs to put up that social media yeah. video from Dyer the other day saying like, oh, don't use me, lads. Nobody wants to see me or whatever he said. It's... Well, he slightly broke my heart. That, yeah, it was horrible, honest. you know? It's...
2: Like, just remember when he arrived at the club to loads of fanfare and he was excellent those first couple yeah. of seasons Our in that West kind Ham of holding goal, midfield role. Right. Yeah, exactly, on his debut. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just think he, he's one of those players who, for one reason or another, seem to become... This the player that was scapegoated by a lot of Tottenham fans, and yeah, they were always bracketing together Dyer, Davis, Sanchez like, always those players that no matter if they had a fucking flawless game, there would still be fans saying, Oh, he's fucking shit, my He's fucking fucking shit. He's been fit to pull on a shirt. And it's just uh, it, it, that slightly broke my heart seeing that thing like Dyer coming in saying, Oh, you don't want to use me. And then they did use him, yeah. <laughs> but kept that, but kept that bit in. So, um, yeah. Uh, like, yeah, I, he's obviously in his last season at Tottenham. He's going to go next summer, but I think if he's called upon at any point this season, I, I've got no doubt that,
1: as I said, for for a game here or a game there, I'm sure he can do a job. Because going back to the, the the question of you know the stand-ins midfield, because I know we've got Sarr and Basuma going in January to the African Cup of Nations. Yeah. I believe they're not actually going to miss as many games, hopefully, as people had first kind of catastrophized that we they might. Um, no. Because there is a... in particular. yeah, like Bissouma League's might a, only miss. a break now, doesn't
2: it, as well? So. It does. And obviously, look, Papsar's playing for Senegal, who might go a long way in yeah. um, the Africa nation. So he might be missing for a little bit. But I think Basuma Yeah, Mali aren't obviously as strong as Senegal. So Basuma might only be gone for a game or two games, maybe. But again, like, in midfield, I don't have any concerns about Hoybier, Penton yeah, or... Or, or Ollie Skip stepping in for a few games, you know. I, I mean, I think when, if Benton Kerr gets fully back up to speed, if he was the Bentoncour that we saw for the first half of last season, then it might be that Basuma and Bentoncour is the first choice midfield going forward anyway. And that's a bit harsh on Papsar because I think he's been excellent this yeah. season. But, um, yeah, look, they're, they're not going to be missing for as long as I think a lot of fans first feared. Sonny's obviously going to be at the, you know, Asian Cup as well. But, again... Like, if Rashawlinson has to play through the middle for a few games and you've got Brennan Johnson out wide left and Kulosevsky wide right, or, you know, if Brian Hill turns out to suddenly hit, hit, hit his straps once he's fully fit again, again, I don't really have massive concerns there. I think, as I said, the big drop offs are there's no obvious Madison replacement at the moment.
1: And and the sell side's probably, probably what we would play, isn't it? I he's guess. the closest to. Or, yeah. or you
2: know, I, I mean, I, I think Kulosevsky could do a job playing in this sort I'd of number like 10 role as very well. Much, yeah. Um, and he, by the way, I think has been a little bit of an unsung hero this season. I mean, obviously his, his his goal contribution isn't where a lot of fans would like it to be. But fuck me, does he run his socks off? Yeah. I mean, I would love to know how, how much distance he covers every game like he just works so hard we <laughs> saw it in particular in the second half at Luton I think but just he's just got an
1: engine on him I want to say like, I, I believe the number came out the Premier League did a graphic on it because he was he'd been covering the most uh kilometers on average I want right. to say it was something like 27.4 kilometers I think on <laughs> I think, average yeah. per game which yeah is pretty bonkers <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, he just puts a shift in, and I think, as I said, he's a little bit of an unsung hero. But the role that he brings to that side, just a tireless shift, serious engine on him.
1: You know, I, I think he's been fantastic. I'm just uh, double checking that now. Um, okay, well, who's run the? I mean, let's see. I think this is the Premier League saying who's who's run the. Let's have a who's run the fastest and furthest so far this season. Um, I don't care who's playing the fastest so most distance covered um, this was after so this after match week four um, all right Dejan Kolosevsky had covered 47.7 kilometers Um, okay so so, that's that that's an average of what 13 a game or something like that not quite as much as 12 a
2: game my fake news
1: (laughs) (laughs) but still yeah a lot yeah yeah exactly
2: still a lot look he's putting a shift in uh, I love the guy He is. He is brilliant.
1: Um, Sonny, we're talking about him going to to the... I I mean, I do want to say, actually, sorry, I should have said as well, lovely to see Ben Tanko back. Lovely moment between him and the fans and everything. That was so nice, wasn't it?
2: That was almost like that moment when every single one of the players just came over, like, ruffling his hair and then... Again, like I would, this has become a fixture of the season, hasn't it? Where Sonny like pushes someone forward to get the acclaim from the crowd. Yeah. He did it with Richarlison after the Sheffield United game when Rishi scored the equaliser and had just openly admitted he was having a real tough time of things. And again, he kind of pushes Benton Kerr forward. And I think Eve Basuma had his arm around him and was like saying to all the fans, like, give this guy his props. But like the smile on Benton Kerr's face, the smile, all, I think it comes back to what I was saying earlier. There's just a real bond between the team now. And oh man, that was that was lovely that moment. Just seeing Ben Zakir come back, only for five minutes, but oh it we, you know, it's it's great to see him back in a Spurs shirt again.
1: How much do you think Sonny plays a part in that? In the in the immaculate vibes of the team? He's come in, you know, he's club captain. Great, great decision, I think, from Ange. Yeah. that. Do you think he plays a big part in this? In massively
2: now.
1: Yeah, massively. And like I didn't think I could love the guy
2: anymore. Like he's just, when you look at Sonny, he obviously feels the way about Spurs that the rest of us do, right? He loves the club. He's gonna finish his career at the club. He's a Spurs man through and through and being made captain seems to have just taken his game to another level as well. And it's all the little things that he does, the very, before the very first game of the season at Brentford, he brings all the players over to the away end just to applaud the away fans that have made the trip to Brentford. And like I said, those little things about like pushing Richarlison forward, not making about him, pushing Richarlison forward, like and Kurt the weekend the way that like those little videos that you've seen on Twitter doing the rounds of him you know going over and checking with the Crystal Palace physio whether it's okay to have a swig of his water (laughs) and he has a swig of the Crystal Palace water bottle and then offers it to the referee just he's just I just love the guy Um, and I think like he's obviously a very different there's Type, different types of captain right aren't there's there's captains who yeah. will fucking give this like rising churchillian speech in the dressing room beforehand and you'd run through a brick wall for them there's captains who lead by example from the front by just their volume of goals or you know like a Roy Keane who's just like the sort of presence in the middle of the of the team and then there's ones like Sonny who I just think like if I was playing in that Spurs team, I just wouldn't want to let him down. Like I just love him yeah. so much. I just would I just want to play my very best for him. There was a moment on Friday night when he gave Papsar an absolute bollocking for having not laid up a pass off into his into his path. And I can imagine Papsar after just being like, God, I'm really sorry for letting you down, Sonny. Like, you know, I just um I, I just think being a captain has, has just brought out the very best in him. And sometimes that the weight of captaincy means that players of that quality can 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 shrink
1: in the side. But it seems like it's just taken Sonny's game to another level. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, I'm not like you. I don't like to do really this whole silver lining on Harry Kane going. I mean, Anne just said it himself this week. You know, he dispelled any of these kind of nonsense ideas that Spurs are somehow better, or he's secretly relieved that he doesn't have Harry Kane on his side anymore. But I think, you know, if we are to at least look for positives that we can from the you know, the sale of the club's best ever footballer yes. is that Sonny has probably been in some ways marginalised a bit because he's kind of been in Kane's shadow when Son in his own right is one of the club's best ever players. I was saying on yeah. here not long I ago, mean, there isn't really a need to compare, but you know one of my heroes growing up was Teddy Sheringham, whereas I think now really... What someone like Sonny's done in the Spurs shirt has probably surpassed anything Teddy ever did for Spurs, which is yeah. kind of mad when you really think about him in that pantheon of of Spurs players. And I think now this opportunity for him to be the main man at Tottenham, he's really yeah. relishing it because he's he, you know, he's, a, he's a huge star all across Asia. He's a huge star, obviously, in his home nation of South Korea. He's the, he's the country's captain there. And it, it just kind of makes sense, doesn't it, that he is... Yeah. Tottenham's you know he's Tottenham's captain he's one of our main players and we can put him on that pedestal now without any sort of caveat
0: here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs coming off their parents plan or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight.
2: Yeah, exactly. And like, I don't think it was, I don't think knowing what Sonny's like as a character, I don't think it was eating away at him to be in Harry Kane's shadow or anything no. like that. I don't think it was pissing him off that this guy's getting all the plot. It's I think He loved plot.
1: playing it, with him, right? He's, he's yeah, exactly. About
2: that. Um, but just like the, the bond that he's immediately seems to have formed with James Madison. And I said the way that all the players kind of look to him. There's a little video I saw this morning of like Papsar in, in the restaurant on Saturday night. Obviously, calls Sonny over for what Sonny thinks is, is a photo. So, Sonny, like, puts his arm around Pap and smiles. And yeah, I, I a saw it. And it's a video. <laughs> and like, just like, you know, taking the mick out of your captain, but he kind of has that res- obvious respect from all the players, but the players also feel like he's one of the, you know, he's, he's, they, they can be that way around them. I just, I, I run out of superlatives for the guy. I absolutely love the guy to bits.
1: I mean, his, his ability this year as well, how much he's stepped yeah. up again, you know, because yeah. it, last, it wasn't his best year last year. It wasn't really a particularly so. vintage one for him. And just some of the finishes he's he's putting away again. That goal against Fulham. Um, Sean Walsh, uh, another journalist lad I've had on here yeah. before, was saying it, it, it's so normalised how good Sonny is because I remember yeah. watching the Fulham game in real time, thinking, "Okay, well that's a nice goal from Sonny." When you watch the <laughs> yeah. replays, you're like, oh. "Like he just paddled yeah. it top corner from the edge of the box." Like he's, I, I know
2: we've become so used to it, haven't we? With either foot as well, either the right foot or the left foot. Just these like finishes that he makes look so easy. I mean, he's just, you know, it, when he was struggling last season, and clearly we now know that he was slightly playing through injury as well, I still wouldn't hear a bad word spoken about him. I was like, look, he's one of our greatest players of the modern era. And he's been asked again, like, you know, with the, we start this season with him playing out wide left and Rishi through the middle. And Ange then just switches things up and says, look, Sonny, I'm going to get you to play as the main striker. And here he is, what, now, eight goals after 10 games, whatever. And, um, ah,
1: man, what can you say about him? This is it. My my missus always she keeps the receipts because I whenever I dig him out when there's been previous seasons <laughs> I've been like no no she's always been like no nope, Sonny's the man Sonny's gonna yeah, score yeah, for he's us he's man. always gonna come good and so this year yeah. she's she's very very smug lording it over me because and of, you know
2: what like what really sort of struck me yesterday was watching Man City Manchester United and if I was a Manchester United fan. I would fucking hate having Bruno Fernandez representing <laughs> me as he, as that, as the captain of that club. Do you know what I mean? And Roy Keane said it really eloquently after the game. He's just not captain material. The yeah. way that he gets in the refs' face, the way that he strops and throws his arms in the air, and just his whole demeanor, like it just creates a toxic. Look, there's a lot of that club that's pretty toxic, but the captain doesn't help. And then you contrast that with Sonny, who just creates such a positive atmosphere around the whole team, around the club, loves the club, cut him open and he bleeds Tottenham. I mean, we're just so privileged to have witnessed this guy, you know, just
1: to have somebody who loves the club as much as we do. I mean, it's bonkers, isn't it? When you even contrast someone like Bruno Fernandes with James Madison, two very similar players, I think, two players of very comparable ability and, you know, output. But... James Madison, who's even now a vice captain, who is often yeah. seen as this kind of cocky wanker, is, yeah. you know, he he seems like a really good guy. He's, you know, we've you've seen him put an arm around Richarlison at times. He's put an arm around various different players. I think when a doggy had his sort of injury and was limping about the other week, he was there yeah. for him. You know, it. it I don't know. There's I a lot of him, good yeah. personalities at this club, aren't there? Now, which it's it's exciting Madison's to see. Not every-
2: Madison is that guy who, if he played for any other club, you would think he's a cocky wanker. Oh, I did yeah, when he was. At he, left, I, I
1: couldn't stand <laughs> him. I couldn't stand him. You know? But because he's ours, we love him now, yeah. right?
2: And do you know what? It's 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 weird to say this about somebody after just ten games in a Spurs shirt, but he just, I just, I kind of have a feeling in my bones about James Madison. That he's going to finish his career at Tottenham. Like he just, yeah, the two I mean, seem to just fit together so perfectly. Like James Madison is just a Tottenham player, and he clearly has just. He clearly wanted to come to Spurs and, yeah. um, you know, turned down Champions League football with Newcastle to come play for Tottenham instead. And he's just, it's just, it's such a perfect fit. I can't really put my finger on why it is, but he's just, he's, he was that old cliche born to play for Spurs. It kind of feels like he was.
1: He knows it himself. He sort of said it himself, hasn't he? Really? And yes. when you look at it now, I guess we've got him probably on a four or five year contract. I would say we've signed him now. Yeah, you're yeah. not sending him for less than a hundred million.
2: <laughs> you know, I now you want to go. I right. don't look. Look, it's impossible to project what we're going to be like five years down the line. But I just think he just seems to fit. Uh, there, yeah. There's no really other way to describe it. You know, he, he he's coming. He, he gets to express himself playing the football that he loves to play at a club that traditionally has always played that style of football. And as I said, the bond that he's immediately formed with all of the team, but in particular Sonny, is just. Melts my heart when I see them come in and do their little dart celebration together. I love it. <laughs> that, I mean,
1: that rattles, that boils a lot of people, well, <laughs> you know. Yeah, Zach exactly. Thought he could make fun of us, didn't he? And then look what happened, you know, 30 yeah, seconds exactly. later, the two of them ran down the other end of the pitch and scored the equalizer. So just love it. Shushing exactly. the clock end, you know, it's, it's just you love to see it. You love to see it while we're kind of in this, uh, this, this hype mode, Jamie. I've literally just got this written on my on my running order how bloody good is mickey van der ven
2: i mean unbelievable like what a guy 22 years of age he's only going to get better and better he's got to be the fastest center back in the premier league like anytime (laughs) we play it obviously we play this ridiculously high line which is great but there will be times when the opposition players the balls played over the top or you know just they break the lines and the players through and goal i just know mickey van Der Ven's going to catch them like he's just got absolute gas and i think again playing alongside Christian Romero just must make him feel 10 feet taller as well because you know that you've just got somebody alongside you who is just an enforcer, a World Cup winner. I mean, he was brilliant
1: against Palace the other night
2: as well. When has he not been brilliant? When has Romero not been? Like, every single game this season, if it hadn't been for unbelievable performances from Madison or Sonny or whoever it might be, Christian Romero has has dropped a 9 out of 10 in every single game so far this season. And again, like, He just because there was look there was a period last season when he was clearly whether it was for confidence reasons or he was unsettled or whatever he put in some stinkers last season but Ange just seems to have got again the best out of him and whether it's the added responsibility of being the vice captain which i don't even know what that entails but you're just having that little
1: bit more of a leadership role I mean, has he even been yellow carded yet this season? I know after that's sort of interesting. Six, I don't know. I was thinking that because he's, he's been through quite a few games now without one, so he's mad, isn't it? And just yeah, that sort of that rash side of him seems to have been curbed, but he's
2: still just. I mean, it's we use this term all the time for him, but he's just a Rolls Royce of a defender. But have Mickey Van de Ven, the partnership that they have formed so quickly has been amazing to watch, and uh like I just think the sky's the limit for for Van de Ven. He's
1: just going to get better and better. I liked it. The, the the Dutch national team official account. They just tweeted, "Remember the name after his uh, after his debut." Yeah. For them. Um, yeah. He's so. Romero has two yellow cards in the Premier League oh, this he? season. Okay, two I knew after
2: cards. a few games he hadn't got one yet, but but there hasn't been that like rash. Oh, he's gonna get he's gonna get a red card eventually. he's Kind of game from him at all?
1: No, no. I, I I I'd say not. Let's see. When did he get? So he got one against Arsenal and he got one against Liverpool. Seventy-fifth right. minute against Arsenal, 89th minute against Liverpool. So yeah, well, that yeah. does, that doesn't exactly scream rash either. That screams, you know, big games, high pressure moments, and sometimes yeah. you need your players to pick up a yellow, don't you? Yeah. Exactly. It's kind of part of the game. Um yeah. it's been it's been Basuma who's really carried that mantle, hasn't it? For the rash <laughs> oh my rash yellows this year. He
2: is he is a walking yellow
1: card, yeah. Yeah, I know I do love him for it though. There's an interesting conversation to be had here, Jamie, because we're looking at Eric Ten Hag, right? There's some woes yeah. there at Manchester United. Yeah, looking at Pochettino, Chelsea's worst start to a Premier League for 15 years. Yeah, what a shame. This, <laughs> this, uh, this begs the question because the purple and gold lot have gone a bit quiet lately. Yeah, does Daniel Levy deserve more credit than he gets? Not just from Spurs, but from football in general.
2: Oh, I mean, look. I mean, this is we could do a whole separate podcast on this, but yeah, yeah. D- Daniel Levy has got a lot of big decisions right at Tottenham. There's there's no question about that, and uh, that will probably anger a lot of the purple and gold lot. But I'm sorry, but he has, and like he has transformed us from the club that we were at 20 years ago in terms of the global brand that Tottenham Hotspur now is. Now I know what people say. Hey, why, I fucking got any results on the pitch, and I and I get all that. And he's also in recent years made a lot of bad decisions that have worked out badly and you know the appointment of Mourinho and Conte you can criticise and you know lots of things about you know the Super League and jacking up season ticket prices and then having to do a U-turn and that etc 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 we don't need to repeat all that the appointment of Ange Postacoglu has obviously been absolutely inspired and again we stress we're 10 games in hmm. a lot could still happen but it was exactly what this club needed at exactly the time that it needed it and you're right there are people Screaming from the rooftops when we didn't get Eric Ten Hag a couple of years ago. Now you look at Manchester United and they're just a shambles, and they're shambles from top to bottom. And you know that whole clip that's that's been doing the rounds of of Neville and Carragher screaming at each other in the studio last night they're both right in what they said in that clip neville is right that the club has a big issue because of the ownership and the uncertainty and et cetera. Et cetera. but Cariger's also right that ericton hag's side have got absolutely no identity at all you don't know what you're going to get from manchester united they're playing this horrible ugly counter-attacking football they're the only top side that, that do that and they're just they seem completely rudderless at the moment on and off the pitch so you think like did we dodge a bullet by not getting ten hag yeah i think we did um i mean i laughed at that gary said in that clip as well that ang Postecoglou came into a stable environment because yeah, he I came mean, into nonsense, anything but yeah. um but you know it, it, there have been a lot of decisions as i said that i think levy has got right and look yep there's been a lot that he's got wrong as well and the green, the the purple and gold lot have been silenced at the moment because we're doing so well. I'm sure if we did hit a bit of a rocky patch, they'd suddenly pipe up again. I've got no question about that. But at the moment, there isn't too much to complain about. And uh, you look at some of the decisions that some other big clubs have made, and you just think we're in a lot a better position than they are. And and look. <laughs> We've touched upon this earlier as well. A lot can change in a very short period of time. Six months ago, it was all doom and gloom for fucking three months. Three months ago, it was all doom and gloom for gloom for Spurs. And look where we are now. But I think that the problems at Manchester United
1: and Chelsea are a lot more deep-rooted than the ones at Spurs. January feels pretty massive for Spurs this year. It feels like... Because one of the things I've often bemoaned about Levy is we're all it's all very well and good to to build these kind of projects these eras we seem to be very very good at that what we haven't done thus far really in my opinion anyway is when i look back to say like red naps time when i look at the peak pochettino era when things are going really really well there's a real hesitance to double down it's more like totally. yeah you, you're doing very yeah. well now so let's just see where this goes yeah i do uh, yeah think- yeah i just, just in our conversation at the top, the can we, will we, won't we type thing. I think what we can't deny is Spurs have a real opportunity this year. It may be ahead of a, a kind of if we've got a five-year roadmap, a ten-year roadmap, whatever. Sometimes in football, we all know sometimes opportunities present themselves, and you just have to you have to strike. You Pull have the trigger, to for it, right? And if Spurs are still in this kind of position come January, if we're still occupying one of these top three spaces were within touching distance. Yeah. It would be remiss to not drop. Yeah. I know. And I know it's it's, it's, um, It's easy from the armchair to say, just spend 50, 60 mil, spend a hundred million, but the money's there. We're a rich club. It is. And look, It
2: really sticks in my throat to have to draw comparisons between us and that lot down the road. But it feels very similar to what Arsenal had this January just gone, where they were in a title race that they weren't expecting to be in. They'd made huge strides. They were further down the road in their five-year plan than um edu and arteta expect them to be and it felt like right this is the chance we might not have a better chance of winning the league let's capitalize this january strengthen the areas that we need to etc 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 and that kind of feels like where we will be come this january as well and i'm sure Ange has a clear idea of two or three targets that would really help us kick on but you're right this feels like this is a real golden op- do not you've let so many golden opportunities slip through your fingers this is another one. Do not let this one slip through your fingers. And it just feels like a different kind. Of, I, I don't know. I, it kind of feels like in all those those missed opportunities of years gone by, it felt like maybe Mauricio Pochettino wasn't strong enough to say to Daniel Levy, "Do not let this chance slip. This is our chance to really kick on." I don't feel like Ange is going to. Ange is the same kind of meek character, perhaps that Pochettino is, and I think Ange will say to him, "Look, we're in a great place now." We're ahead of where we plan to be at this stage. Um, we're, but look, we've got a real chance here. And if we bring in a top centre back that can, you know, provide competition for Romero and Van de Ven, never mind being a backup to them. If we can bring in another playmaker who can provide competition for Madison as well as being a, a reliable person to turn to, if there's just a couple of areas where we can really strengthen, then, okay, look, this season it might not work out, but we could be in a serious title race come, you know, 24, 25. And yeah, this feels like a, a big, big January that if we just bring in a, a couple of bodies here or there, then we could really be in a great place for this season, but also next season.
1: Let's talk about Chelsea some more, mate, because they are, our, you know, they're on the horizon. Yeah, There's obviously uh, a, a bit of a uh, an added element to this one. Not only is this potentially... The first game that Tottenham might lose this season, which is pretty hard to whoa, say whoa, after whoa. having it. well, yeah, no, let's hope not. Yeah, I don't need to frame it that way. But yeah, then, yeah. Just, just just cut to the chase, Maurizio Pochettino. Yeah, there's a civil war now emerging on Twitter in Tottenham Twitter. Of yeah, do we applaud him? or do we boo him <laughs> yeah who 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 are you because there's because, for, there's, there's, there's because there's obviously there's there's cuz obviously there's nothing
2: in between is there it's no. either applause or boo this is, um, this is
1: 2023 mate
2: everything's, everything's this is
1: binary now you know
2: this is the world that we live in isn't it it's either extreme left or extreme right it's either you know the greatest performance of all time or he's dog shit get rid and it's either applaud or boo and nothing in between i'm kind of probably the in-between guy i probably just won't give him any kind of reception at all but look i'm i'm conflicted myself over this because i love the pot shears at tottenham i i you know i when he left it i remember feeling so hollow and empty that night that he was sacked just thinking i can't believe that we've let the greatest thing to happen to this club go you and i when we last spoke on this podcast a few months ago wanted poch back um i remember when he signed with chelsea i was like oh, oh it's gonna be a real conflict conflict Conflicted for me now because I love Pochettino, but God, I hate Chelsea so much. But you know, well I want six and I was amazingly surprised by how quickly my dislike of Chelsea overtook my love of Poch. And when they <laughs> lost one nil at Stamford Bridge to Nottingham Forest, how much I was reveling in it. So um look, I, I don't hate him. I'm not gonna boo him, but he is a Chelsea manager now, you know, and I don't think he is gonna get. Despite what Mickey Hazard was calling for on Twitter yesterday, I don't think he's going to get like a standing ovation from the shelf side when he comes back to White Hart Lane. Um, I think that's just wishful thinking. Um, but do I? Will I still always have a special place in my heart for Mauricio Pochettino because of what he did at Tottenham? Yeah, I'm a yeah, I'm, I'm a hopeless romantic. What can I say?
1: I think this is it, isn't it? Because, like you say, there is this tiny, tiny shred of me that just kind of feels bad for him. But yeah, it's completely like outweighed by the the hatred of Chelsea. The fact that I think the thing the, the thing that I have the biggest disappointment in him is that he is a football man. Like we're talking about kind of oh, he's the first sort of manager we've got he's a football he gets he gets. We we're all saying this about Poch as well. We know yeah. that Poch gets it as well. His the way in which he was speaking about football after that Ajax game, you know, the Champions League semi-final he, yeah. he did have a real bond, a real affinity with the club, and so he knows he knows going to a club like Chelsea was going to hurt yeah. Spurs fans. And I, do, I know. I think it's worth saying. I do think it's worth saying. It's kind of partly on the club. In a way, we did allow him to publicly court the opportunity, the potential to come back to Tottenham. I think he was very upfront in saying that. And then we just kind of left him dangling there until we found somebody else. So maybe the club didn't do entirely right by him. But I cannot escape from the fact that this is a club that, you know, not only is (laughs) one of the Premier League clubs that has routinely been hideously anti semitic towards Tottenham. And that's not on Pochettino. I'm just saying in terms of the makeup of that club. The, they're a club that sings before every single home game. We hate Tottenham. Yeah,
2: I know, deranged. Yeah,
1: you know, he's, he 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 understands football. He's from Argentina. He knows what rivalries are like. You totally. Know, I, I think he would be very naive to think we're going to be singing his magic. You know. <laughs> you know. Yeah, really I get that, look
2: like, totally. And look, uh, I've gone round in circles over this, and I still don't really know where I am to be quite honest. Because look, he didn't do. What Saul Campbell did—it's not like he had a load of choices at his disposal and went directly from Tottenham to arrival. No. You know, he's had a, a bit of time off in between. Part of me thinks, look, he's—he's he's just a prof—he's a manager who is a professional, and when a job comes calling, he's going to take that, and we can't really. Begrudge him for that, and I can imagine how it would appeal to a manager's ego to think, "Look, I'm going to a club here who are a club with bottomless pockets that have the ability to spend a lot of money. I can be the one to turn things around from a miserable season that they've just had, and I can I can understand how that would appeal to him as well. But you're right; like he is fully aware of the rivalry between Chelsea and Spurs. You know, he was there at the Battle of the Bridge in in 2016. You saw how much and, in it. You
1: know, stopping them winning it.
2: You know. Exactly. So uh, as a, I, I'm, I'm really conflicted in how I feel about about his, uh, you know, about how we, we greet him a week from now. But when all the dust settles at the end of, you know, 20 years down the line from now, will I still have a special place in my affections for Mauricio Pochettino? Probably, even though he's he's gone to Chelsea. And as I said, he hasn't done it directly from Tottenham, which I think kind of caveats it slightly for me. Ah, man, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it at all, but um, I don't think he'd be getting a warm reception. I, I'm, I'm fairly sure on that one.
1: What do you think is going wrong for him there? Because they ha- they've they been I mean, their results are terrible. The, the thing yeah. is, they're actually playing all right. The data well, would dictate it. that they're a good team, but they just seem to be not He They just can't to fucking win. hit
2: a cow's arse with a banjo. Yeah. That's the problem. Like They just can't score goals. And actually, yeah, you're right. They actually have been playing some quite nice football, but they don't still have a center forward i'm not convinced by nicholas jackson um they're creating plenty of chances but they're just not putting them away and and i just think there's you know there's still big question marks over other areas of the team as well they they're relying so heavily on a center back who's about to turn 40 and as as a 40 year old myself i know that you shouldn't still be playing football at that age and um you know there's there's just i you know a lot of people from the outside looking in think it's a bit of a scattergun approach to how they're spending money and bringing players in. I think there's a little bit more logic to it than people perhaps give Chelsea credit for. Like they clearly are bringing in young players at the beginning of their careers who will have a big sell on potential if Mauricio Pochettino manages to improve them as players. And um, so I think there's a little bit more sort of joined up thinking to their transfer strategy than perhaps we give them credit for, but the fact of the matter is, they've spent what a billion now under Todd Bowley, and they have got worse. and I fucking love it. I mean, <laughs> it's,
1: it's bonkers, isn't it? It is bonkers yeah. like how much they've spent, the amount of talent that they supposedly have within that team. And they just look like such a mess. Such yeah. A mess. It,
2: but there's always just that little fear in the back of my head that they are going to click and that they might click next monday night but i don't know i mean they were very good for in that first half against arsenal i have to say they were brilliant they but were then brilliant but them. then they they went and shot themselves in the foot Which and, as
1: soon as arsenal scored they just they were like oh no we're gonna lose again or
2: yeah yeah. You know. i just think come out of the traps fast next monday night you know that nightclub uh, atmosphere that we've created at n17 now bit of islands in the stream <laughs> um you know g- just get the crowd going, get on top of them early. And I think they'll just shrink into their shells and we'll have too much for them. But look, it's a big test. There's no doubt about it. And look, as I said, dealing with one game at a time, but I think wolves, the game beyond that, I think will be a tough test as well, but um, let's get Chelsea out of the way first. And yeah, look, we're a better side than them from, from one to 11 at the moment. So
1: I believe THFC flags have got a TIFO organized for this one as well for the Chelsea game. Oh, have they? So that'll, Tasty. That'll, amp things up a bit as well, you'd imagine. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I I don't know, I'm oddly I say oddly, but it's what Angie's doing. I'm I, but I am oddly confident about this one. And yeah. you know, I just I can I can see his beating them mate. I really can, you know. Quite yeah. Dare I say comfortably.
2: <laughs> well yeah, look, I mean the last game, when was it? Back in February, was it, when we beat them 2-0, yeah. Skippy scored that That's one goal, go, yeah. Um we were just like streets ahead of them that day. I've never and seen us
1: be that much better than them either. Yeah, right.
2: and they're they're. I think they're in a better place now than they were then. There's no question about that. But I think we are as well, obviously. So, um, I just think that they will. Going back to what I said earlier about they're they're not the sort of side that will put ten men behind the ball and sit off us. They're the side that will leave us a bit of space, and that's what fills me with real confidence that, you know, Destiny a doggy will be back. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how how many minutes Benton Kerr plays, whether he starts or comes off the bench. I imagine it'll be the latter. Um, does Brennan Johnson come in in the left hand side for Richard you know, I thought Brennan Johnson was brilliant when he came on against Palace. Really so,
1: exciting,
2: yeah, yeah, there, there's it is really exciting, isn't it? And like there's there's options now, and um, uh, again, I just can't wait for it. And that that's kind of the overriding feeling of being a Spurs fan at the moment. From the the moment the final whistle goes in one game. I just cannot wait for the next game.
1: We'll end on this one, mate. We'll end on this one. Um, a certain Harry Kane, yeah, <laughs> scored a goal from the halfway line as part Brilliant. of his hat trick for Bayern Munich this season. I think he's—I'm not sure what it is that he's on now, but he's on a ludicrous amount of goals, a ludicrous amount of assists already. Um, and it seems to be that the wider football viewing <laughs> public. Suddenly, suddenly, just realizing, <laughs> yeah, suddenly, just become aware of this right? Harry Kane the, the, the player. yeah that he that yeah. It's not just tin pot Spurs fans hyping somebody yeah. who has scored you know, whatever two hundred plus goals for the in the Premier League, but still, you know, that's just as eh? Um,
2: It's what we've known for a long time, isn't it? And it's just not. It's not just that know, he is.
1: Right?
2: He's not just. Yeah, I'm so happy for him. I'm, I'm delighted for him. And look, I, I said from the moment he went. I want Bayern Munich to win everything this season. I want them to win the Champions League, the double in Germany, the lot, because the, he deserves it. Um, and win the treble again for them next season and then come back to Tottenham in two years' time and beat Shearer's record and we're all happy. But um, like, it's not just that he is a prolific goal scorer. He's just an unbelievably gifted footballer as well. Yeah. And he's somebody who just continually wants to improve and get better, I, I, you know. Every manager would love to have 11 Harry Canes on their side because he's just the first man at the training ground, the last man to leave. This this insatiable desire to just get better and better and better and identify a weakness in his game and work at it until it becomes a strength of his game. And I said last year, he not only is the best nine in the Premier League, not only is he the best goal scorer in the Premier League. OK, Erling Haaland is amazing, don't get me wrong. But not only is Harry Kane a better striker, I think, than Erling Haaland, but I think he's a better playmaker than most, than, you know, a Kevin De Bruyne or a James Madison. Like, the, the the range of passes that he can spray about, the the, the vision that he has, the, the the football intelligence he has. Like, I just, there's not enough words to say about the guy. And um, finally, now the rest of the world has woken up to what we all knew as Spurs fans for about the last five years. And I'm delighted that he's tearing up trees in Germany. I had no doubt that he would. Um, yeah, I hope he wins a lot. Love him to bits. I there's no there's no bitterness in my heart towards Harry Kane at all.
1: You can't understand it from him because you know there was all this talk about oh, why does he want to go to Bayern? Bundesliga tin pot, blah blah blah. But Bayern are still they're one of the biggest clubs in 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 the world. Yeah, right? and the fact that Harry Kane is now he's not Tottenham's main man, and that's that's great. He came through our academy, and we love the club dearly. But the fact that he is, like you say, walked into a big dressing room, like they've got a Bayern Munich as well, you know, players like Thomas Muller there, Manuel Neuer there, you know, and yeah, assert himself as one of the, the alpha dogs already, you know, yeah, and totally. be one of the main men there. It does show you like he is, he's a superstar. And maybe, maybe after the past few years, maybe after all the near misses at Spurs with England, maybe just needed that, bit of reassurance and I know people are saying oh it's a shame he let this kind of stuff get to his head but he's a human being right you know ultimately yeah. if he's had that opportunity to make this I don't want to call it a step up but a step up let's be honest um, yeah to a club like Bayern look he's he's given us like you say 10 plus years of some of the most incredible memories I'll ever have as a Spurs fan and totally did th- 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 does it does it take away from it that we didn't win anything with him in the team? No, it doesn't. Like does it doesn't like when people say that mask goal that he scored against Arsenal? Well, we didn't win that game, so I don't really care about that goal. I was there and my head nearly exploded. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah, this goes back to player. what I said. like okay. you know, as a football fan,
2: like the stick that was always used to beat Spurs with is oh yeah, but you haven't won any trophies. And I was like, as a football fan. It's those experiences, those those moments, those magical moments that live with you far longer than seeing your team lift a trophy. And yeah, how many of those did he provide us over the 10 years? And I think he will come back to Tottenham one day. And look, I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast won't really give a shit about England. It's all about Spurs, I get that. But I think it is awesome that England's best two footballers, Harry Kane and Jude Bellingham, have both taken the decision to step out of their comfort zone, go to a league that's unfamiliar to them, and they're both tearing it up for the biggest clubs in those countries, for sides that are enormous, global, huge clubs, both sitting top of their league. Jude Bellingham is the best player in La Liga, is dominating every single game for Real Madrid. Harry Kane is doing likewise in the Bundesliga for Bayern Munich. I think that's absolutely awesome for England. And and then the third best English player, James
1: Madison, is tearing up trees for Spurs, so Mm. great. That's it. It's all good. It's all it's all rosy. It's all good. Tottenham, Tottenham win the Premier League this year. Bayern Munich win the Champions League at, at Wembley. Harry Kane scores the winner, maybe against Arsenal in the final. And then <laughs> Harry, Harry Kane goes perfect?
2: And, and then Harry Kane goes and lifts the Euros for yeah in back in back in Germany. You know, it's um it's all written in the stars, I think. Yeah.